It's time for the Greg's Garage Pod with co-host Jason Pridmore, presented by Bike911.com. Alex Asante, your boy, you need some legal stuff. Reach out to Bike911.com. Hey, Jason Pridmore, how's your weekend, dude? G-Dub, I'm good. I'm good. Um, weekend was fun. And then I got to go ride all day yesterday. I rode, uh, I went out to Buttonwillow with Let's Ride Track Days, and I got to ride with Owen Williams yesterday because he's stepping up to Supersport, so... Got to ride with him all day, and it was great, man. We had, like it was like one of those perfect days. Weather was great, and um, we got quite a few sessions, which was nice. And that was it. Got up early yesterday morning and just ripped out there. Speaking of that, right, Owen Williams stepping up to Super Sport. Mm-hmm. Did you see the email that we got about the entry list for for Barber? I did not. 28, I'm not going to name names because I don't know if this is public knowledge yet, but 28 in Superbike. Okay. Okay. 31 in Supersport. Now, keep in mind, we're going to, we'll talk about Barber next week in more detail. We'll preview it because it's two weekends away. Right. But 31 entered in Supersport, which is the extended race. So that race is going to be mandatory pit stop. And I'll tell you more details about it next week. And then 43 in Stock Thousand. 41 in wow. Revit Twins Cup. Wow. And how about this, Jason? 31 entered in Junior Cup. No way. Dude, last year, I mean, we were floating at the, what, 16, 18, 18 entry kind of 16, thing? Yeah, 31. Wow. 31. Yeah, all Ninja 400s except for Aiden Sneed on the R3 and, of course, Rossi Moore on the KTM RC390. But that's yeah, dude. Yeah, but that's that kind of shows. I mean, I think statistically, didn't Moto America do some like they did some pretty good statistics last year, and that's why Junior Cup doesn't come out west. The the majority of Junior Cuppers were on the East Coast. Yeah, and I mean, look, that just goes to prove that theory. That's why we don't go to the Ridge and Laguna with the the Junior Cup guys. And I know that kind of sucks to not be able to come race Laguna. And I think actually the Ridge would be pretty fun on a Junior Cup bike, also. But hmm, it would be, yeah. Yeah, but I think that uh, you know that just solidifies Moto America's thoughts on keeping it kind of on the East Coast. Mm, definitely. Yeah. Um, so in this podcast, we're going to be talking about <laughs> World Superbike Catalonia uh-huh. and what there is to talk about. There's more stuff off the racetrack, I think, to talk about at this point. Yep. Um, <clears throat> Supercross, dude. Well, we're going to preview um, oh, Supercross. Moto, MotoGP Le Mans, so we'll talk about that. Supercross was something else this weekend, Ugh. and as they're down, yeah, I know, just, I mean, it's it, it, it happens. It, it just does. happens so late in the season. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. But we'll yeah. talk more about that. And then we're going to talk about uh, fantasy and who's leading fantasy with what we had. Is that, is that it, Jay? We have one round left? One to go? I believe we just got one round to go. Yes. Yeah. East West Shootout. So with that, why don't we get to our news presented by Arai? Hey, Jason, did you know that Arai helmets are made to, war- to wear on your head when you ride a motorcycle? Yeah, it's true. And it's a helmet, Jason. It protects your head. And it's one of the best that protects your head. As you can tell, I'm not reading. So go visit AriAmericas.com for more information. There's stuff there about how to fit your head and about glancing off and about, uh, you know, finish, paint, like paint jobs and stuff like that and all their cool systems. AriAmericas.com. Then go down to your local dealer, give it a try, and walk out of the store with a brand new lid. It's riding season, people. All right, let's see. First bit of information, let's talk about <laughs> World Superbike. Hey Jay, did you hear the news? Alvaro I Bautista, Alvaro Bautista 
is staying with Ducati. He's got another Incredible. year, just like you called it last last weekend or last week's show. Wow, shock. I mean, <laughs> you know what I don't understand? Okay, so so this is a bad take on my part, I'm sure. But there are certain people that you go, okay, to make a big deal out of a re-signing or whatever. Um, you know, you look at the, the Rossi's, Lorenzo's, you know, I mean... Johnny Ray, you can you can look at guys and go, okay, that's a that's a really big deal. If somebody's won six championships and they've decided to come back, or or a Marquez, or what, whatever the case is, Alvaro to me, he's won a World Superbike Championship. What year did he win his two fifty championship? I mean, uh, I, don't, I didn't mean to throw you 10 out. Ten years ago? Spot. No, I don't remember. Be, Eleven years ago it's or something. Be it's more than more than 10. that. Moto two's been around since. Didn't Tony win the first Moto2? Tony won the first one. That's probably been 10 years ago. And and he came to us in 16 and won Superbike in 17, right? Yeah, I think you're right. So, but I'm saying like, like Alvaro won the championship last year, but there is unfortunately a stigma that he's just on a bike right now that is untouchable. So maybe, and this is just maybe in my regard, and and I mean this, to win a world championship is... Got to be the greatest thing ever, especially at that level. But it kind of feels a little bit, eh, because of because of the situation. I mean, right now he's at a big advantage. People feel like, and what I guess I'm getting at it is, I didn't I didn't really understand why it was such a big deal that he was coming back or retiring. Like if he comes, I agree. Yeah, it just all. should have been like, hey, by the way, Bautista's resigned. All right, so that just means there's no slot open for someone else to 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 go in there. And great, but good to have him back. And by the way, there was an article. On GP1.com, they were talking to his manager, and his manager basically said, oh, yeah, the whole negotiation was decided over the winter. And mm-hmm. it was like one of the easiest negotiations with Ducati ever. It was great. That's what I'm saying. So it was, all, in, just, it was in, all just blustery who you know, BS. and Yeah. Which it's, is fine. I mean, M- Moto World Superbike needs something. You know, it needs some way to, sh- to give itself a shot in the arm. And, you know, a couple of years ago, it was the racing. And now with Bautista checking out, it just seems like it's just a bad time you know with yeah with moto gp kind of losing a lot of viewership world superbike i don't think is doing you know the, all that great but yeah, i feel like world superbike doing what it's doing now is going to put a lot of the national series around the world um you know it's going to make those series more important and i think right now our series man i'll tell you i went to i went to button willow yesterday like i said and the amount of people that came up to me and were like, Jay, the first race weekend in Atlanta, unreal. And I'm like, yeah, like, like those guys, whether they like it or not, they set a precedence for the rest of, for the rest of the season for us, you know, they have a lot to live up to. They do. Yeah, they do. (laughs) All you superbike guys that are racing out there, make sure, you know, keep it like it was there at, uh, in Atlanta, because that's, that's getting noticed, you know? And, um, Jay, did you, have you you seen, I went to Moto America's, uh, YouTube channel. Uh-huh. Daytona's got 850,000 views. That's a all that's a 2 hour and 51 minute broadcast. Amazing. Yeah, no. Like, I mean, yeah, we're still I I look, I really do feel like we've started to see this turn for for the series over the last couple of years especially. Like and even you just talking about the entries and stuff that we have coming up at Barber in a week's time. I mean, those numbers are really high, so it shows that it's still important for people to come and do these races and it's competitive. Yeah. Very pumped to see the growth and glad that we're a part of it, honestly. Uh, sticking with World Superbike, Jay Tom Sykes parted ways with Pachetti Kawasaki in what, like 
four races. Yeah. And now we've learned that he's going to fill in for Mikey Vandemark on the factory BMW. Your thoughts on that whole situation? Well, I kind of been saying that I'd be shocked if Sykes finished the year where, where he was. I just didn't think that that's even a possibility. So when I woke up, I think, or maybe I went to bed last night and I looked at one of the websites crash or something. And it said that, you know, they're, they're thinking about parting ways. I love that. I like, wait a minute. So they're thinking about it. So they're making it public that they're thinking about it. Like what? I don't understand. So yeah, when you look at that, you think, well, that was just a foregone like thing for me. I I knew that there's no way that he's going to continue there. I think that going to the BMW team is an interesting thing though, because it didn't seem like they ended on the best terms. Um, their fill-in rider this last weekend didn't do like spectacular. I don't know what the expectation was there, but obviously the expectation wasn't met or, or, um, there's a conflict in, and that's the biggest thing to, to keep on getting a fill in, fill in riders. It basically depends on other series around the world now as well. Right. So between like, you know, if you wanted to have Haslam come from BSB, if he doesn't have a race, Sykes is, the, is a real obvious choice. They have a relationship with him. He obviously probably negotiated that deal and then went to Pachetti and said, hey, I'm out. You know? <laughs> yeah, that's what I think. Anyway. Right? So, sure. uh, and it's an opportunity. He's probably making a, a nice little salary there for a weekend ride. And um, and I'm sure all he'd have to make is the same he was, as he was making at Pachetti. If he, you know, who knows what that number was, but anything to get out of the deal that he was in. Cause it didn't look nice. I mean, the guy had, I mean, he was, he was in the pits. Most of the time they showed him most of the time they showed him, it was coming down pit lane. So yeah, I, I think it's a good deal for him. Great deal for him. And especially with a struggling Scott Redding right now, you know, he's going to be looking across the garage at Scott Redding feeling like I got to go smoke this guy. But I mean, right now, G dub, the guy that's doing the best on the BMW is his girl off. Yeah. Yeah. That's uh very interesting that Gerloff is is the top the top dude right now. I well, mean, he's got yeah. the talent, so there's no question about it, but take you know yeah, it, yeah. you don't take anything away from him, right? But no, 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 not 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 that's not the surprise. The surprise is, you know, they're they're getting they have factory level equipment over there at the Bonovo team or whatever it's however you properly pronounce it, but I didn't think they had the latest and greatest stuff. So Garrett's just riding, you know, riding it. And, and I think Sykes, he, he I mean, is. if you look at Sykes now, if you look yeah. at Sykes now, Jay, I, I mean, where would you place him? I'd say he's an eighth to fifth, you know, or ninth to fifth kind of guy, depending on the bike. Like, he's still got the talent. Uh, it's it's so hard. I Look, it, and I hate to sound as redundant as I do, but it just, again, it goes back to team, bike, crew chief, mechanics. It, it's... If you don't have the total package at that at that level, you're dead. Yeah. So, and and I don't I look at him as even on this team now, he's a I think he's a seventh to twelfth place guy. Now mm. I do. I don't. I don't I think, think it's more the bike. You know, the bikes. Just yeah. Kinda... I and I, and I look. You look at Garrett right now, and he is to be fair the he's the healthy one. I mean, when I say he's healthy, he's healthy. He's you know, Loris Baz is still suffering. Um. VDM sadly has been suffering and, and Redding is, you know, I don't know what the missing ingredient is there for him, but all the talks about him kind of saying, I've got to weigh my options. I don't know what options he has um, in the sense that. I know the interview, it sounded like he's got tons, like they're backing up the Brinks truck of offers for him. 
Yeah, like, and it's like he's got to like he, he went there because of the money. You know, Ducati lowballed him, and Ducati has to love that because they picked up Batista, and and Batista's done what he's done. And Redding had that opportunity for two years and couldn't get it done on the Ducati for whatever reason. Um, because uh, we know how great of a rider he is, but at the BMW, it just hasn't worked. Uh, BMW deal just hasn't worked for him. So, yeah, where's he going to, you know, there's a lot of things. And that's what, you know, maybe next week we get Stevie on because I think they have a two or three week break. So maybe we get Stevie on and have a chat with him about it. Speaking of World Superbike, still RPM limit was increased. Uh, well, was raised and lowered for two bikes. The Kawasaki got 250 more RPM. That's a buff. While the Nerf went to Ducati, they lost 250. I mean, what they do, Jason, is they look at a bunch of factors over three races. So they just made this decision. They're going to look at the next three races and make another decision if, you know, RPMs need to be adjusted with other bikes, more on the Ducati side. I, I don't really think Catalonia is a really good place to judge the 250 RPM district. And it doesn't sound like much to some people, but it's, it, it's something 250 RPMs is definitely something. And the thing about it is, oh, is you have Bautista who is just magical at Catalonia was in GP and everything else. And on top of that, you have a bike that rips down the straightaway. The BMW is as fast as a Ducati. The problem was like, as Redding pointed out, he was saying that the rear tire was just cooked. Like he just couldn't do anything. So then he overrode the front and then he pulled in. Mm. You know, Redding scored zero points last weekend. It's crazy to think that you can just pull him from a race. I mean, he's so far back. And and on one hand, I understand where he's coming from, where it's it's he doesn't feel like he can be competitive. He's riding. You know, Greg, it's funny. I always said to you that when I was finishing fifth and sixth and seventh or further back, I was riding just as hard as I was when I was winning. I mean, I was trying just as hard, riding just as hard, but man, when you're pulling in from the races because your tires are shot and you've got other BMWs finishing, it's, it's a bit of a bad look, you know? Um, yeah. It's a bit of a bad look for Scott. Uh, that said, he can sit there and look at them and go, you guys, I'm running around in 15th place. I've got no tire underneath me. You can clearly see that. Um, and so the frustration level there is high, but to your mechanics and your crew and, you know, when you've gone to back to the hotel and they're in, under the canopy having a coffee, talking about it. It's not a good look that your rider's pulling in because the tires are shot. And um, I'm sure this has not been a Catalonia only problem. This has probably been something that they've seen in the past. And he's probably told them like, listen, there's, there's no upside here for me. I'm out here running around in 15th place and I can't keep a tire underneath me. But again, you, 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 you look up the track 15 seconds and Gerloff's up there in a battle with guys running eighth and ninth. So what is the difference? What's going on differently? And, and again, us not being over there, us not really knowing the dynamics between the two teams or relationships between crew and things. We don't really know what that is, but it's not like Scott Redding's lost it and doesn't know how to ride a motorcycle. It's just that he cannot get whatever he's trying to get out of this bike. And that's it. Speaking of getting much out of a bike, how about your boy Petrucci? Danilo Petrucci's back on the factory Ducati in Le Mans this weekend. And Jason, it's going to rain. There's mm. like a 50% chance of rain every day, like today, tomorrow, the next day, all weekend long. Petrucci on a factory Ducati mm -hmm. in the rain. 
Cinderella story. Can the guy come back and win one? Can he pull a Bobier? No. <laughs> what? No, no, I can't. But, I crack, you know, he complains I, about yeah. his size. And I mean, why not be on the fastest bike in the paddock? And, you know, the, the I mean, even last year, the Ducati was still a little faster than the Suzuki when he made that one-off appearance. But still. Mm, yeah, there'll be something. There'll be something. Who knows what it'll be right now? But it could, you know, it, it could, who knows? But no, I, I don't see that happening. Where did he ride the Suzuki last year? Was it last year? And it was. Yeah, I mean, it was last year. The, it was raining. Was it the, and it, and we and it was like, oh, he's going to. And then it rained and he didn't do anything. It was um, in the Pacific Rim somewhere. Was it Indonesia? Yeah, it could have been. But the, regardless, it's a hard task to, to go there and jump on that bike when those guys have been running and testing and doing all those. And those, yeah. are, those are the things that we're going to hear coming out of that camp throughout the week will be, oh, you know, it's hard to jump into a series. And it's hard, which fair play. It really is. Uh, he's won there before. He'll have good vibes going there. I looked at the weather this morning and hence changed my MotoGP fantasy team. I've got to do something there. <laughs> Because I stink, so I'm like, all right, I'm I'm changing everything. Um, uh, don't, so no. but don't don't give advice to anybody, please. No, don't I'm go. not, and I I should tell everybody who I have. So go the other direction. Um, but yeah, I don't see that being a thing. <laughs> so yeah, it's it's it's. Uh, I I look. I hope he does. I hope I would love to see him kill it. It'd be fun to. It'd be a great story. It'd be a great story. But yeah, it's, it would be a tough. Job. It would be. Yeah. Anyway, so that's your news presented by Rai. Did you see the thing where they they are like now not going to penalize Marquez? Yeah, I did see that, and I you know what I didn't even bother putting it in here because I just don't yeah. even care. I don't so, even care either. Like I, I honestly like I don't just care. I you know I, I get that 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 they need news to talk about, especially when it comes to anything Marquez. I'm sure does well. Yeah, you know it's like it's like when you know when Nikki passed away, it was like anything Nikki and you know your Instagram would go nuts and people's you know would get clicks and all that kind of stuff. And it seems like anything that they can get with Marquez, they're going to put it in there. I mean. You know, the statute, the, you know, whatever. If it's not acted on in four weeks, it goes away. Like, who gives a shit anyway? There's two races now. It's one race. If he had to do a ride through, he did or whatever. I don't really care. Yeah. So, yeah. Like, who cares? You know, this is what I, I do I know. It, the bike's, the yeah. bike's still a pile and, and he's still going to tuck the front and he's still got a, a, a high chance of getting hurt. So I hope this Calix chassis thing works out. And I would love to see Honda back up there scrapping. I think the days of, the fantasy days of people thinking Mark Marquez is going to get on some magical bike and then have the exact same speed and no fear that he's had before from three years ago or four years ago and be the dominant Mark that you're like, hi, there's that, that rider's gone. In my right. opinion. Right. Well, that and the fact that like, if every round was a coda, they'd be okay. It seems, but <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, it's full coda series. It isn't. And I mean, it was like Rins this past, you know, past week in Jerez was nowhere near anything. And he just got done pretty much, I'd say, I'm not going to say he dominated Coda, but he made it look probably easier than a lot of people, I mean, us included, would have thought. So, yeah. Yeah. yeah but I mean, Pe- Peco helped him a little bit, but at Coda. But no still. question. No question. But you still got to be there, don't you, G-Dub? So, um, you know, Jason, there's yeah. an old proverb, okay? <laughs> the finish first, first must finish. Thank you. If you ain't first, you're last. So I think the biggest story is coming out of this Catalonia round when it comes to World Superbike. I mean, look, it, 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 as a rider, I hate even saying but anything bad about Batista. He's just dominant right now. The guy's winning everything. He's on a fast bike. I mean, you He's watch. the right guy on the right bike, on the, the right, right tires, time. with yeah. the right team, with the right crew chief. Like, it's just stars aligned. Yeah. So you look at Batista and Ronaldi going by those guys at the start of the second race <laughs> down the front straightaway, splitting guys down the front straightaway. And you just, you got to laugh because 
talent level wise, there's no way that Batista should be beating Toprak by 10 seconds and making it look as easy as he does. So mm. look, let's, I don't Fair. really want to get into the politics of what we feel world Superbike is. I think that's being said enough right now. I think that, and we, look, we, there was a move in the right direction, right? They, yeah, they chopped 250. Like I said, and you know, I've said this many times, I don't think weights the issue or weights the problem. I think you penalize them with RPM. No. Yeah, and it, you know, look, what I laughed at is he's got a he gets dinged 200, 250 RPM. To be honest with you, G Dub is is fuck all. It's nothing, you know. Yeah, so. but but if it if it it's a step in the right direction, it's kind of in the rule book, okay? Like the way I don't know, it's something dot four dot three dot one, whatever the frick it is in the whatever the book, dot right? is, yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. But what I'm saying is is because they're locked in their transmission setups. If you dock them too, if, if if we get to three races from now and it's still the same situation, they may turn around and say we're gonna we're gonna whack you another two hundred fifty. Now you're at five hundred RPM. That's significant enough to really mess with the gearing combination that they chose at the beginning of the year, and then the Ducati could run into you know start to have some, uh, you know some cracks, I guess yeah. you could say in certain corners or whatever. I you know. I, don't, I mean, at least they did. At least they've done something. At least you can say the series or the people that manage it. You know, would have been Scott Smart, but since they elbowed him out, mm-hmm. um, at least they recognize it and they did something. Well, it's funny, you know, because I saw Petrucci's team boss at Barney really mm-hmm. bitching about it, like just throwing a fit about it and how, you know, um, where are all the other Ducati riders and this and that? And I'm sitting there, I'm laughing because when this all, I, I literally remember talking about this on the podcast because I think that they dinged Johnny like a thousand RPMs back in the day. It wasn't 250. It was like a thousand. It was like a bunch of RPMs they, they deducted from the couch. But it was, I, I believe it was over time. Like they didn't, I don't, I don't think they and, whacked them. I think they, but, but I do think they whacked them like 500. We'll have to get them back on was, at some point. It was more. Yeah. We'll, we'll, we'll talk or even Steve will know because Steve and I Steve do talk about this a little bit, right? But yeah. the funny thing is, is it's like the, Ducati was one of the biggest bitching and moaning companies there were when Kyle was winning everything. Always have been across always have all been. platforms. And what's what's comedy now is it's back then, you have to remember, there was probably four or five or six privateer Kawasaki's on the grid back then. And all those guys got dinged as well. And this guy's on there. It's just so weird how... Anything Ducati seems to be like, oh, poor us, poor us. And like, yeah, go back and just look a few years ago when another manufacturer was getting dinged and they were having to deal with every other privateer that was on their bikes getting dinged as well. And this week we saw Rinaldi up front. We saw Bassani up front. Uh, there was only really one Ducati, two Ducatis that weren't up in the up in the top five at any point during the weekend, right? Um I mean, Philip Odo was nowhere to be seen at all. Like, he was so far back. So, when you start to look at things, it's like, Batista just dominated the weekend. He won every race um, really, really easily. Top rack ends up second in every race. Johnny ended up third in race one. Locatelli in the Super Pole race ended up third. And Rinaldi ended up third, getting pipped at the line by Rizgatiaglu, who seemed overly happy to finish second in that race. Um considering how far back he is, but you just got to think of yourself. If you put all these guys on the exact same motorcycle, would there be a 10 second difference between them? And the answer to that, in my opinion is, is no. Yeah, no. And it's, no ma- and it's made world Superbike just a little bit. 
it's just it's not it's it's not as fun and it's unfair to Alvaro in the sense that that guy is an incredible motorcycle rider, like incredible, incredible. And uh, he rides hard. And right now him riding hard is enough to just smoke these guys. So did you watch World Supersport though? I didn't watch World Supersport. Oh, GW got to go watch these two races because they were actually really, really good. And race number one, uh, Bulaga won over Schroeder and uh, Hatton Safaglu ended up third. Venstral and Caracasula, Manzi, Navarra, uh, Valentine, Debis. Dude, he was up there a lot this week. Like he was up there leading these races. Spinelli and Tuli rounded out your top 10. And then um, when you go back and you look at, at race two, it was it was awesome as well because Bahattin Safaglu ends up winning his first uh, World Supersport race. And Greg, it was an MV Augusta 1-2 with Schroeder coming home second again. And, you know, I know we've got a couple guys. I think Debrino's getting ready to try to run one of these things. And again, it depends on the sport he gets and such. But it was really cool to see MV Augusta win, go first and second. Monzi ends up third. Of course, of course, Monzi touched the green paint on the last lap, so he got docked one penalty. He was second on track, third in the <sighs> race. Yeah, one of those. DeBees ends up fourth, but he was only two and a half seconds back, Greg. He awesome. actually rode with these leaders quite a bit on that GMT 94 Yamaha and Strahlen, Caracasulo, who surprisingly was off pace. You know, he's usually up front. Mm -hmm. Spinelli, Tuli, Navarro ended up ninth in this one in DeRosa. De so, um, World Supersport was super close. The racing was exciting. Leading the championship right now there, Bulaga 152 over Schroeder and Manzi. Bulaga's got a pretty good lead. He didn't finish the second race. Um, but yeah, if you get a chance to go back and watch those, um, I know you're going to be flying tomorrow, so maybe you can... Uh, yeah, but I'm going to archery, Jay. In, yep. in archery, unlike, like, you know, when we go to a motorcycle race, it's like 7 a.m. to 7 p.m. when we're there, well, when I'm there. Yeah. And so it's like I eat and then I go to sleep, like, or do a little bit of more research in the hotel than go to sleep. Yeah. Archery is like two and a half hours on the range and the rest of the day free. And yeah. I'm going to Gainesville, Florida. So chances are I'm going to be sitting in a room in a, in a, and I just got this kick ass Airbnb oh, condo styling. thing styling. that I'm sharing with the guy who's like number two in the world right now. And, and so he'll only be able to impart so many words of wisdom, and then I'll be sitting on the thing watching racing for yeah, sure. That's so cool. Yeah, that'll be good. Yeah, that'll be good. Yeah, it'll be good. And then I'll be home. I'll be home Saturday night, so Sunday morning I'll definitely be watching MotoGP. So I'll, I'll catch up on some of that stuff. Maybe I can. I don't know. I, I don't even think you can download them, right? You have to stream them off World Superbike. I'm not so sure. Or? I've never downloaded yeah. them. I've tried, never tried to. But yeah, I mean, if you're sitting, in yeah, the no, room. no, no. If they, looking at the results now, I can totally tell racing's that good. And no, it was. I'm great. really excited for MV Augusta. And the reason why this result is so important is because this, you know, the same people that do that, that control the next generation Supersport and World Superbike create the same base maps and everything for us. Yeah. So. What they can do basically is they go, okay, we know that the MV Augusta is now competitive. It's got an even balance to it, you know, because they're going to check a bunch of stuff. You know, it's not just about top speed, it's obviously about acceleration and all this kind of stuff. And then they could actually do a like a computer simulation that's going to say, okay, this is the baseline R6 that we use base performance off everybody in World Superbike. Here's the fastest R6 we have in the US that we use as a baseline. And now we can build even a better map if they even need to make any adjustments because the MV Augusta already has already been racing in Supersport. It started at Daytona and then it, you know, with um, 
Uh, oh god. I know. Dude, I I'm blowing it right now myself. Because um, uh, Danilo Lewis. <laughs> Danilo Lewis. Yes. Yeah, Danilo Lewis. Sorry, Danilo. Sorry, Danilo. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And so they've they've been riding that thing. So, and then keep in mind the MV Augusta has some mandatory parts it has to have on it in order to make it homologated. And one of them is transmission ratio, and the other one is shoot, I forgot. I mean, you have to have electronics and stuff on it, but mm-hmm. it's about, uh, I think, a couple grand worth of parts. It's in the rule book. And so, like, for Debrino, I spoke with him yesterday, and there was an ordering snafu for one particular part that he needs. Like, basically, just kind of slipped through the cracks and didn't get ordered from the company that he ordered it from. Yeah. And so, it's, like, going to be down to the wire whether he gets to Road America or not. But I think, I think that... And you tell me what you think, obviously, Jason. I think for a guy like Debrino, who hasn't had a chance to ride DMV yet, but he rides yep. a variety of other bikes, yep. Road America, being that the bikes are balanced, I think Road America is going to be a really good place because Road America isn't overly complicated, and it's a place where if if the bike is driving decently off a corner, if you have the speed you know, through the rest of the, the, the corners and stuff, that you could probably stay in tow for a top five or a podium finish. I agree. No, and those guys will be grinding on that bike, I hope. I mean, I don't know exactly what they've got going uh, as far as uh, parts and all that stuff. But if they show up, it's going to be because the, you know Andy feels like he's somewhat ready. And I'm sure um, I'm sure EDR has got that bike on dyno, and they're trying to get as much out of it as they can. You know, uh, yeah. no, knowledgeable guys up there so that have helped Andy for a bunch of years. So I think that when you look at that, uh, Road America is kind of like, Kind of a little bit like Daytona, isn't it, GW? Where if you're a second and a half off the pace, you can get a long line of guys drafting and redrafting, and you can mm-hmm. stay there. You can get yeah. in there. So, it, and he's a good guy for that class. He's 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 light and he rides everything. So he's I think he'll do fine on that thing. But I was really encouraged because when I was watching that race over over this weekend in Spain, I was thinking to myself, like you know, let's hope that that bike's that competitive when it gets here. Danilo Lewis, to be fair actually rode really well on that thing in Atlanta too. He wasn't that far off. I mean, when I say he wasn't that far off, he was closer than I had expected him to be. And um, yeah. So anyways, we'll see, we'll see how that goes. Yeah. Looking forward to uh, to seeing how that stuff sorts itself out. Yep. By the way, Luke power finished 26th in oh, race. I didn't even think two. about Luke. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then trying to see where he was. In race one, I didn't. I didn't even see him. To be honest with you, he finished twenty fifth in race one. So for those, Luke was here last year in Moto America, and then he's he's in World Superbike. So he's in a he's an Australian chap, but he's adopted American, right? Yep. Like because he's been here. So yep, yep. He's been here uh, with us, which was cool. Yeah. So hopefully we'll get a chance to um, maybe talk Steve English. Jason and I have been trying to get him on for weeks and weeks, but it's. It's between me on the East Coast, Jason on the West Coast, Steve in Europe, and both of the the schedules that we have between golf and archery. You have a tournament coming up too, right, Jay? Yeah, I got a bunch of stuff coming up, so I've been on the grind a little bit. So yeah. I've been and and if there's anybody that understands that, it's Stevie, so that's cool. But uh, hey, also right, so this, Jay, hey, this week yeah. too, before you go to Lamar, Northwest 200 this week too. I know that you that's oh, not is? something that you're 100% into, but I watched it all last year and it was so fun to watch. So, you know, for those of you that are, you know, that have even thought about it, if you go to northwest200.org, 
you can actually watch the races live on the weekend. I watched them oh, on this cool. website last year. So you can kind of thumb around there and see how it works. They test, they practice today and then they don't go again until Thursday, G-Dub. They, they ride again Thursday okay. um, and then they, and then they go again Saturday. So um, yeah, but it, it's, it's actually really fun to watch that. So I, I don't know how much of it you've ever really watched, but Northwest is, is a pretty cool race. And I'm glad to see that they're getting it going over there for those guys. Mm. So a lot of those guys make a lot, a lot of money doing, you know, um, you know, doing the, the road stuff, but it's, it's, it's an interesting thing. We got, I, I know some people that are doing it, which is cool. I think Patricia's over there. I think Corey West is doing it on a, oh, twin, on a twins. Hmm. Um, so yeah, my, our buddy, Chris, uh, my buddy, Chris, uh, Sabora is over there doing it. Um, yeah, there's a bunch of, you know, all the main guys too, Hickey and all of them. So it'll be fun to watch that. Hopefully they're greeted with good weather. And speaking oh, of that, yeah. we talked about MotoGP Le Mans last year and Aya Bastianini won Le Mans in the dry. It was dry conditions. Yep. Jack Miller was second, Alicia Spargaro third, Quadraro in fourth, Johan, Johan Zarco in fifth. Mark Marquez was sixth, Nakagami, Brad Binder, Luca Marini. Well, Bastianini's not here. Uh, and, and, you know, that's where uh, Petrucci's going to be filling in for him. Mm-hmm. Jack Miller switched bikes. Obviously, the KTM seems super competitive, and he likes the joint. He finished two and a half seconds or so behind him. But what are your thoughts heading into your one of your one of your favorite tracks? Because that's a I can't even imagine doing a twenty four hour. I mean, I played that I played that game, you know, that track on video games, and it yeah. just looks it looks <laughs> physical in some spots, like really physical. Yeah, dude, I just got a million laps around that place, don't I? I mean, it's. It is physical. It's fun though. I, I like Lamar is a weird place. Um, when I say it's a weird place, it's not a weird place. It's a cool place. Uh, the city is really neat. You're you're not that far right out of the city center when you're at, at the racetrack. So it's mm. um, my best recollection of Lamar Dub was I went over there the first time and uh, I was racing for a team called Phase One Endurance. I remember who, that? Who I won my championship, my first championship with with those guys over there. And what was funny about it was I remember the morning after on Monday morning. And I went to a little bakery that was, oh, I don't know, a quarter of a mile from the circuit, right? And I walk into this bakery and they had newspapers out. And I was on the front page of the newspaper at the very start of the race and going through that first chicane. And and um, hmm. I can't believe how long ago that was. It was so long ago. But but Lama is uh, the fans over there. We always talk about the European rounds like Spain and Italy and things like that. Man, the French are absolutely <laughs> nuts about their motorcycle racing over there. And mm-hmm. I think the fact that they've had Zarco and Quattararo to root for um, just make it that much bigger and better. It's very much of a carnival-like uh, atmosphere there. But they camp out, and it is – you know, you, you read what the journalists say about you. You can't sleep at night because bikes are just on the rev limiters all night long. Like, it would be interesting to see how many riders stay in the paddock there because it's just so loud. I don't know how any of them. Oh would yeah, yeah, because normally you have their own motorhomes or whatever, but Correct. maybe they don't. For that was that was Spa when I did the Spa twenty, you know, like the, the hour, BMW yeah. box car. I think it was yeah. twenty four hour there, and that was it. People camping out, rev limiters all the time, bonfires, yeah, like crazy, just food yeah. everywhere. Yeah, it was like it's it's it's. I the had most... to get away from the racetrack, dude. And it rained. By the way, it rained for four straight days. That was a four day oh, event, and the, and France it didn't hold the be. fans back from doing anything. They were all there. These Not people. Like us. When I was mm-hmm. when I would go there, they'd be out in there. There were areas I'd always do a Friday night walk 
in the just go out and amongst it all. And it was just full anarchy, <laughs> full craziness, absolutely insane. You know, people getting drug on pallets, like literally sitting on pallets <laughs> yeah. and getting drugged down the center of a campground at 20 mile an hour by motorcycles, pulling them along on pallets, drinking beer. I mean, wild. So the Lamar atmosphere is great. It would, um, but like, it's going to rain it, it, in Lamar. I don't know what it is, but it just rains there. It doesn't matter when it is, how it is. It's going to rain. So you, you got to start thinking about the guys that, that who goes well in the rain, Jack Miller. I mean, I mm-hmm. think that the KTM, um, this would be a track that would be really interesting to see how KTM would do at a track like this. We have said before that KTM has kind of had those racetracks, Greg, where they've been really good or really shit. And this year they're breaking that narrative because they've been pretty good everywhere. Um, I don't think that they were specifically outstanding at Coda. I don't, you know, by what I recall, I think they were okay, but they weren't, you know, they weren't as far back as they were because as they had been remember Miller stuck in there for a long time mm-hmm. at Coda. I think, didn't he, did he finish third there? I can't really remember now that I'm thinking about it, but Coda, did he flick it? <clears throat> no, I don't think he flicked it. But the, the thing is, is now I'm putting us both on the spot. Um, <laughs> yeah. Nice work. Jay. I actually have something called a website. I literally could just look it up in two seconds, Yeah, but for some reason I just want to struggle through it. Cause I'm just, yeah, why wouldn't you, why wouldn't you, um, but but I remember him being up there for yeah obviously quite a while. Yeah, no, he nice. flicked it. He flicked it. That's he what that's did what flick it. Yes. He flicked it in the in the big race. See this now we have got to think about yeah, the quali- the sprint race too. You got to go back and think about where yeah exactly where they were. Um, but yeah, so yeah, he wasn't in the top. There was no KTM up there in that race. No, I remember no <clears throat> hardly anybody. It was a surprise. It was a surprise ben- for us that he was there, but then. Bender fell like, also, if you remember in that race. Well, yeah, if you remember, if you remember the actual race itself, you know, coming to mind, it was like cooler and the wind was blowing. And yeah. then on top of that, everybody was like, Yeah, plus we had Dunlop rubber and it was cooler. So people were messing around with front tire pressures <laughs> and it caught out Brottle, Nakagami, Mir, Bagnaya, yeah. Fernandez, Miller, all freaking, so, you know, and then Marquez, Alicia Spargaro, and Martin all were down. So when you look at it, like, will this be a track? The KTM can go up front, and and if it rains, you got to think that him and Bender are going to be up there, in 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 the weather. So I think that that's going to show well for for the KTM's if that's the case. Um, but it's going to rain. Zarco, could this be a weekend where Zarco finally puts it together? At the Yamaha with Quattararo. I mean, they're just struggling. Um, so so. Alesh goes good in the rain, doesn't he? No, the Aprilia stink in the rain. Stink in the, the rain. Chassis so stiff. Oh yeah. So remember Argentina, they were leading the sessions and then they went backwards because of the weather. Mm-hmm. So I think that when you start to look at stuff, um, you know, will they really, will they have any difference? Will it make a difference? We just, I, it's hard to say. Um, it seems like Aprilia has been kind of caught out a couple of times with that. I mean, when you look at even um, uh, Catalonia, they were up front the whole time. And then they had some weather. If you remember on Saturday during or Sunday Saturday for qualifying, even though Alesh put it on pole, it was very late in a dry and Vinales ended up for way far back, but in the dry, they were one, two, I think after Friday. So, um, yeah, it, it, it'll, it'll, it's going to be interesting. I think moto two is going to be interesting too, especially. I was going to say, do you there. think Sam, Sam Lowe's can keep it rolling? I, I do. I think, um, you know, just the little bits that I've had with him and I saw you, I saw you give the boys, you know, Corey and James some credit 
but the podcast they did with him, if you haven't seen it, it's, it's actually a really good one. And, mm-hmm. and if for him, he's got a whole different mental approach this year, I think, and to what he's doing, which is, which is outstanding. And I think winning that race at Jerez surprised everybody, but him. Um, so yeah, I mean, Moto two is going to be really interesting. Moto three is going to be crazy. <laughs> um, as usual. So, and the lot, man, they, like I said, it always just throws a curve because of the, because of the weather there. So, mm-hmm. um, MotoGP fantasy. If you're part of the Greg's garage, uh, pod group, um, going into the weekend, I'm just looking to see who's leading real quick. G dub while we're, uh, I, I know it's not, I know it's not me. Um, it's TB Simmons, one I'm like the opposite. It's Troy. That's right. Troy's leading it. Troy Simmons leading it. Over, I think Jack Roach, I think, and then Rude. He is, Duke. yeah, yeah. But again, Troy's only got one turbo, got one turbo boost left. left. Yeah. Sorry, we got to give yeah, all these guys have used them. Um, Redtail Racing in seventh is. Oh no, sorry, Sick Fifty Eight Forever in third is the mm-hmm. only one, or in fifth rather, is the only one that hasn't used uh, in the top five. And then, but see, here's the thing, Jay. Troy has got a pretty strong team. His who started with 15 million, right? And his yep. value team is 16 million, That's where crazy. Jack Roach's team is worth 14.8. But Rude Dude, who's in third, his team's only worth 13.8 million. Oh, he's got Pedroza on his team, so he's probably got to get rid of him. But yeah. it's you know, it, and what's interesting about that is as the value of your team goes up, at the deeper we get into the season the more you can kind of see who's going to be pulling away. You know, where you got trapped at like 13 million and you were done last year. I'm kind of digging that grave for myself right now as well. I definitely think it, it definitely helps you to be able to have two people that you can swap over. So Mm -hmm. I've already made some changes to my program this week already, just because I'm like, I can't, yeah, I've got to do something. So we'll see. I mean, I stink as we said. So look, (laughs) if you're a part of that with GW and I, Thanks for being a part of it. It's a lot of fun for us to razz each other and uh, and see. It just gets you invested in a different way too with MotoGP. It's not just about your favorite rider anymore. Just watching a race. Now you're actually like yelling and cursing at somebody when they hit the deck because they (laughs) ruined your fantasy life. Yeah, there's everybody. You hate somebody every week. It seems like. So yeah, yeah. that was me in Supercross this weekend. Who was it that went to the LCQ? And I'm like, I hate this dude. And then next thing you know. He won the won the LCQ and then was getting me some points. But anyway, speaking of that, Jay, Supercross happened uh, in Denver over the weekend. And boy, oh boy, when we talk about the premier class, what a change we had in the championship and basically just the championship in general. Early in the race, Eli Tomac led and then boom, he came up about four millimeters short. And what did he do? He ruptured his Achilles yeah. tendon. Looks like he overextended his 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 Achilles. And man, I if I watched it all live. And you think about the last two weeks, G Dub. Just think of the last two weeks in Supercross. We've lost Cooper Webb, yep. Justin Barsha, Jason Anderson, yeah. Benny Bloss, yeah. and now Eli Tomac. In, it's insane, man. And but that's I, I'm surprised it doesn't happen more often. I see I saw uh, a post last night from some keyboard warriors on Twitter basically saying that you know, how much more can this be sustained when we're just losing all of our stars and we're doing this? Greg, I'm telling you right now, if you raced, if you road raced every single weekend like these guys do every weekend at different places, you're, the, the attrition level is going to go up tenfold because you're going to fall. You're going to crash. You're going to, and those guys, 
it's they're so on knife edge. And then you look at something like this that happens to to Eli, and you go, man, that's horrendous. Like for yeah. that to happen to him, the way that happened, um, it's so sad. And and the fact that the guy was riding around with one leg off his bike, you know, you, you didn't see it live, right? He yeah, no, I did. Oh, I okay, did. you did. He literally rode right to the right to the medic truck, you know, and the Asterix team, and like they had to come help him off the bike. It was really a, a sad sight, but and you knew it was something bad, right? Like obviously he couldn't put any weight down, he couldn't do anything. An Achilles injury like that is, was always like a big fear of mine because sometimes I think those are a little bit different with every single person. That can be mm. sometimes it can just come right back, and then I've heard with others it like just never comes back, and you just are always living in fear of the thing snapping again. Um, yeah. And I mean, at Tomac right now, you know, people have been chirping about his retirement. They thought he might've retired before this year and all this kind of stuff. I mean, I don't know what Eli's got in the tank to prove anything. You know, it's like sometimes like Marquez is like, I just want to prove to people I can come back and be Marquez. And I'm not sure Eli's got that, you know, because he's out for the whole motocross season too. So well, I think there's two ways that you can look at it. I think G-Dub, right? Because then he just re-up, <clears throat> he re-upped with Yamaha, I think for next year. Already. Oh, he did? Okay. I think so, yeah. I think that that's what I had read. Or at least he did, maybe, I know he's doing, he, he re-upped to do outdoor. So maybe I'm wrong on that, but I thought he, I thought he did. But with all the rumors of like, it sounds like Sexton might go to KTM. It sounds like Cooper might go to Star Racing. Those are kind of some of the rumors that I think are floating around out there. Um, but you're right. How much does he have left in the tank? You know, he could legitimately, four weeks from now, he'll be well on his way to recovery. He'll sit out the entire outdoor season. And he might just do like a one more, let's go try to win both championships before I retire deal going into next year, possibly. Um, he obviously has no more to, imp- no more to prove to anybody. Um, you know, so, I mean, just really, really sad, really bummed for the guy. Um, it really has depleted Supercross. There's a bunch of privateers that are stoked because there's guys getting into main events now that maybe otherwise wouldn't with all of the demise of our t- of the top riders. But that's what that's what's great about the series as well, is there are guys that are getting opportunities. And I think that when you look at the guy that won on the weekend, Chase Sexton, um, I, have a sp- I, have a, I have a question to ask you about that during the race too, because I was, um, I was like, oh, I got to remember to ask Greg this question uh, when I was watching the race. But Sexton deserves to be winning the championship. Like I, I, I can't take anything away from the guy. He's been fast. He's had some bad luck. Uh, people are like, kind of shitting on the idea that Sexton's going to win the championship now because all he's got to do it. I mean, I don't even think he has to show up at the last round. I think he's got a big enough lead on rocks and he doesn't even have to show up. So it's like, he's going to be the champion this year. That's just how it works. And, um, yeah, it's 26 points for a win and he's got 44 on. Yeah. So he's won the championship already. It's not even, well, Coop's out. Sorry. He's got, yeah. yeah. So second place in the championship is out. Third place in the championship's out. So Kenny Roxon needs to finish, get two points, and he'll actually be third in the championship. But he doesn't yeah. – he's not even close enough to capture second in the championship. Yeah. So that's what Barsha's I'm saying. So, fifth. He's out. Yeah. Sixth is Jason Anderson. He's out. Seventh is Aaron Plessinger. He's out. He has been out, yes. Yeah, he's been out. Um, eighth is Cian Cirillo. He's in. Justin yep. Hill is ninth. He's doing great. Had a great year. Great year. So, mm-hmm. so when you look at it, Sexton's going to win the championship. It ain't through any fault of his home. But my question is this. Yeah. During that race, I'm watching it. And Sexton obviously sees Eli. <laughs> he had to have seen Eli pulling off, right? Mm-hmm. And I'm sitting there and I'm thinking to myself, you know, they interviewed the they interviewed one of the Honda mechanics. They're like, no, we're not telling him that Eli's out. And I'm thinking, hmm. 
I don't know. Like, I don't. If if you are Chase Sexton and you push and push, and you fall, do you are you mad because your crew didn't tell you that Tomac was out? Or, I mean, it all worked out in the end. But would you have wanted to known that Tomac was out if you were Sexton, or would you want not would maybe not have known? I, I as a rider, I don't want my crew to play head games with me. Like I would just look, kind of look at that and say, "Look, man, you got to tell me. You got to give me. Yeah, you got to tell me the information and let me deal with it." And that—that that to me, not telling him means that his crew is trying to. They don't think he's mentally tough. Or maybe they don't. Maybe they think that that's going to be a bigger distraction that Tomac is out. But it was like, look. But how does Chase not know to Chase? How well, does he, he saw him pull over, but he doesn't know that you know. Oh, he's that, out, out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That he's out, out, right? So, but I'm saying like this, right? Yeah. If you could at least let me know if. If it's a different scenario, let's say that you got Barsha Anderson, you got all these guys still in there that are chasing you, okay, trying to win the race, right? At that point during the race, they don't know the extent of Tomac's injury. Although when you see a rider like Tomac just pull off the track and go straight to the medics, they know what's going on. They know that that guy is really hurt because there's no way Tomac's. And you got to race next weekend for the final race of the year. Yeah, please. Like yeah. they know he's hurt. So if you've got like a Justin Barsha behind you or somebody that's going to come up and, and rough you up, to try to get by you and maybe put you on the deck, then maybe you, then, then for sure. I'd, I want to know that Tomac is out. I want to know. I, I agree with you. I would want, I would want to know with, with nobody in the race, like no Anderson, no Barsha, no Plessinger. Like you said, we went down the list. None of these guys are in the race. He's just pulling away and gone. I mean, Roxon ended up picking himself up off the deck and finished what <laughs> second. Dude, they were only from, from DFL. Only- yeah, but dude, there were only four riders on the lead lap, and one of them that's fell I mean. off. That's what I'm saying. Do you so know what I, like, like that's how decimated it is. By the way, it's like this every year. People yeah. like I, I love how people co- they bring up the same thing. Supercross can't continue like this. It's like what do you? But they're going to man. Feld wants to make money, and the more rounds, the more money, and all that kind of stuff. And it's tough. Chad Reed has told us on this podcast many times. Priority number one in Supercross is just make it to the last race. Yeah, and chances I mean, are you're going to win. And guess what? Chase made it to the last race, and he's going to win this championship. And he's Be- won races this year, and he's been fastest. And he's there's yeah. been some there's been some screw ups. Okay, got it. I understand that. But he just, I mean, you can't say that he doesn't deserve to win. He was still pushing Tomac at the end of the year. And remember, he got a seven point. He got ding seven points at one of the rounds for jumping on a medic flag. He had mm-hmm. led what three or four races and kind of choked him away a little bit, or whatever the reason is. Um, hey, let me ask you this though: uh, when when they were showing him at the end of the race, Chase Sexton, mm-hmm. were you like, "Oh, dude, he this, he's just waiting for the checkered flag. He's got," the, or were you like, "Oh man, hold it together, hold my breath." So I was me on too. my way home. Me too. Yeah, that's hold the my breath. Problem. I was, but you I never hold your way. breath when Tomax out front, but you do when Chase. And I think that's the big difference. Well, the funny thing is, is that is I was on. I went to. Uh, I actually went to the Ventura Short Track on uh, Saturday night. I, they they had a the flat track championship here inventura so i'm like ah and i went i went down there just i wanted to see how it was and all that but i was on my way back and kyle wyman texts me did i just see what i just saw and i'm like "Uh uh-oh and (laughs) and, and to kyle's credit he puts no spoilers like i'm not telling Mm -hmm. you what and i'm saying this must be a super cross related thing and he goes yeah no spoilers because i told him I, i said the second i get indoors i'm gonna replay it back and watch it and of course, what Peacock does is they get done playing it, and then they wait like two or three hours later to to let you. Yeah, it's not like it. YouTube. YouTube is over instantly. It's it just stays up there, but so, they, Peacock like, has to process it and blah blah blah. And I'm like, you know me, Greg. 
I'm, I'm staying off every social media plat- platform and all that. Yeah. And I'm like, okay. And then finally it said, watch replay. So I got to watch it. And, and, and then when I saw Eli out, right. I'm like, Oh no, what happens? But at that point I'm like, is that the big thing? Or is Kyle's surprise of like, all right, Eli was already out and now Sexton's bunged it up again or something, you know? Yeah. Right. So, so I'm sitting there holding my breath like the last three laps, like, okay, just let him bring this thing home and, and whatever. But anyways, they go into the final round. I, where are they at? Utah, I think for the final round. Did they give um, did they give Chase the number one plate on the podium? No. Nope, they did not. Okay. I mean, I guess Tomac Well, I didn't see that. I didn't see that. No, they, they probably wouldn't have because Tomac probably wasn't diagnosed right after the race. And how far back is Cooper? Cooper is forty. All right, so he's points. definitely gone. Yeah. So like Chase, well, Chase is one. All Chase has to yeah. Chase doesn't even have to show. Yeah, Eli's go not gonna be there. He can go on vacation. He's done. No, he he's already like he they should give him the number one plate before he even goes and races. Yeah. That's what I would do. Yeah, but that's so cool. he's won I mean, it. He's already wrapped it up because we know Tomac's out and Cooper doesn't. There's only 26 points available and he's 42 points ahead. Ken Roxon is behind him. So, yeah. So, so Chase Sexton is your national champion. He already won it. What crazy. a way to win it. What a way to win it. Good for him. DV3934 is leading our Pulp Fantasy in the Greg's Garage uh, pod fantasy group here. DV934, Greg, is at 3902, right? 3886. So it's a 16 point difference between him and PM140 going into the final round. Hucklebuck Racing jumped up to third. So, um, yeah, dude, I, I I was 17th going into the weekend and I got 268 points and I fell all the way back to 25th. So, yeah, I mean, I, I was, I, what was I? I was twenty uh, something points over my average, and I dropped and I went backwards. So that's, there was that's, it, yeah. that's. I think what ended up happening is, um, you know, a lot of people took a lot of those guys that are twelve and fourteen and sixteen handicaps, and I don't know if you were getting my text messages, but I kind of I was a little late getting my picks in, and I was on I was I was practicing. I was actually on the golf course practicing. And I late, dude. You saved me. I literally got my picks in with 20 seconds left That's on the so, clock. I remember you text and you killed you text, it. You text with two, like two and a half minutes till the clock was over. And you're like, get your picks in, boys. And I was actually sitting on my computer. And I was like, oh, and I panicked. And I was like, it typed up real quick. And then literally just went click, 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 click. I just picked all like six and seven handicaps you and did one great. star, all star. I, I got lucky. Yeah. 298. Yeah, but like great. you're talking about, Jay, there were so many people that scored so many points. Yeah, there's you know there's three thirties in there, there's three oh threes in there, like three twenty eight. Yeah, Desmo yeah. Bro three twenty eight. That's incredible. That's incredible. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Uncle Skip went backwards, I think too, and he scored three hundred eight points. I'm not really sure how that works, but he's an eighteenth now, and he was ahead of me. I was seventeenth going into last week, so there were some obviously some really big point scores. Uh, Last week, Dar, uh, what is it? Uh, DA Racing, De Racing 13, 336 points. Dude, how about Barsha just wrecked someone in 12? 352 points. Crazy. Holy crikey, man. That is just a shit ton of points. That's, I mean, yeah, it's amazing. So, um, finally, I wish it would kind of, I wish on the deal. Oh, you know why, too? Mm -hmm. Uh, Barsha just wrecked someone, did, did the FFL. Ah, yeah, but it's it. it's That's... first lap leader 
It's not whole shot award. Yeah, first, first not a, leader. Yeah, FFL. So he had Jet. He lost seven, but then he had Tomac, so he got fifteen. So then, then you know, the net of that was was eight points. Man, I know Savannah. She's fourth this last week. She scored three hundred thirty-two points. I mean, yeah, like, like now I can now I understand why I suck so bad. Last week. <laughs> the prize pool is the it. same in both. Uh, obviously, it's it's pretty much over. The the people in the top three, it probably the 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 top five may have a chance at this thing this weekend, you know, who are in our, but whoever's going to finish first at the end of this deal at, after this weekend, when, win themselves in a rye helmet and a set of Dunlop Q5 tires of their choice size matters. Then Q5s for second <laughs> place and Q5 S's for third place. Same thing in the MotoGP fantasy bit. There's still a lot of racing to go in MotoGP fantasy. So don't, don't feel like you can't join us because even if you're not in it for the prizes, um, Definitely go for it. And then Jason and I still haven't had a conversation about what we're going to do because you get a day with yeah, Jason we'll Moore and JP43 training, one-on-one instruction with the man himself. Yeah. He has taken Jeff White from absolute trash, just a full-blown 50-gallon trash can to like <laughs> like a like a one-gallon like trash 35 can. Gallon, 35 yeah, gallon, like a 35-gallon trash can. Breaking your windshield right. guy. Yeah, That's right. Yeah. I talked to him the other day, by the way, my brother, Jeff White, and he goes, bro, I haven't listened to the podcast yet. Uh, is there a mention of me in there? Should I listen to it? He's such a beauty, isn't he? I'm like, I, I don't know, man. Why don't you listen and find out? He's such a beauty. He's the best. Yeah. yeah All right, everyone, so. listen. You got an abundance of stuff that you can watch this week. So you got MotoGP, got Supercross. Supercross. Northwest 200 is an interesting one to watch. And... Uh, so you got a lot of different things that you can look at and watch. And then G-Dub and I will be back next week to uh, preview some Barber uh, action with Moto America. Excited for that, G-Dub. And we'll be on a plane next week. So we'll have to do our podcast maybe, I don't know, Tuesday or something, I guess. And um, thanks, everybody, for listening once again. And uh, we'll see you. We'll see you next week. Talk to you soon. Later.